it, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast, city to city, coast to coast, it's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning. Welcome in to the Ryan Hickey Show. Where else? For the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, we appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday morning. As you know, right, kind of this is the first real show now of 2022, really of the 2021 season, without football. It's been a great, great, great run. A run that's lasted, what now, five months going back to September? Really, six months going back to September. And now this is kind of the first show we have where there's no games to react to where there's no games to preview, where there's no real major storylines coming out of the NFL. But don't worry, we still got you covered in the NFL. We got a lot to cover here for these next two hours. Now the NBA All-Star break is basically upon us. As it, today's the final day of games in the NBA. We'll ask you, with a James Harden and Ben Simmons trade going down a week ago from today, who has the better chance to make the finals? We will discuss that. Yesterday, the Rams had their parade. Let me just say this really quickly here about the Rams and their fans. I don't want to hear about how many Rams fans were there. It's not a surprise. There's like 10 fans there. The Rams don't have any fans. It's not their fault, and it doesn't take away from the joy and the accomplishment that they had. So congrats to those Rams fans that were there. But as you know, customary to every single parade that we uh, do listen to, we do see Commence every single year. The R word is always thrown around. Repeat. Well, the Rams repeat as Super Bowl champions. There's one reason, more than any other team, where they have the best reason to repeat. We'll do that in 20 minutes or so from now. Kyler Murray, I think, has impacted his 2022 season and done so to the point where he has more pressure on him then his head coach in Cliff Kingsbury will discuss that a little bit later on. And the debut segment, I'm excited for this, of Would You Rather. Got a few NFL questions for you to ask at 1020 Eastern. And I'll ask you, I'll give my answer, but I'd also love to hear yours. Would you rather this? Would you rather that? So we got a lot to get to here on this Thursday edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. As always, you're coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios, where there's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. So let's get into a little bit more of this James Harden for Ben Simmons trade. Right, We kind of previewed the trade deadline on Thursday. This time last week said, do not, if you're the Sixers, absolutely do not trade for James Harden. Daryl Moore clearly is not a Ryan Hickey Show fan, was not listening last Thursday because he pulled the trigger, he made the move, he acquired James Harden. So now that we are a week after this, right, neither player has played for their respective team, but we presume both Ben Simmons for the Nets, James Harden for the Sixers will be on the court sooner rather than later. So let me ask you this question. Who is the better chance of the two teams that blockbuster trade went down last week of making the finals? Is it the Sixers or is it the Nets? 
even though the Sixers got the better player in James Harden, I think the Nets for this season have a better chance of making the finals. Here's why. When it comes to playoff basketball, right, what wins in the postseason? What helps you advance through April, May, and June? Actually, there's really three areas you really need to be great in excelling if you are going to win a championship in the NBA. Efficient scoring, good defense, mental toughness. Those are three areas I think champions we've seen the last few years have really excelled in, and that's been the biggest key for them winning a title. And when it comes to those three areas, I think the Nets check more boxes than the Sixers do. Let's start with efficient scoring. Right? The reason why I think you have to be super efficient in the postseason, especially this year, is because you look around the Eastern Conference. This is not your dad's Eastern Conference. This is not even our Eastern Conference from, let's say, five or ten years ago. The East now is deep. And they are filled with a lot of good teams that play really good defense. Look at some of the teams that are in terms of tops in the NBA right now in terms of defensive rating. Celtics, number two. The Heat are up there. The Cavaliers. The Sixers themselves. The Bucks. All these teams are very good defensive teams. So what does that mean? That means come postseason time, points are going to be hard to come by. Each possession now becomes more important than let's say it does right now in a game in March. So when each possession takes on a little bit more importance, when there's a little more urgency to score and and make the most out of each time you touch the ball, now all of a sudden scoring in an efficient way becomes becomes a major key. When you look at the Nets, they have efficient scores. When Kevin Durant is on the court, there's no one questioning his ability to score and his ability to score, by the way, on a high shooting percentage, right? We saw it just last year in his first postseason, basically alone, where Kyrie Irving you know, missed most of the Bucks series, and James Harden missed a lot, you know, a lot of the playoffs. And when he did come back, he's on one leg and basically ineffective. So we saw Kevin Durant last year play really damn good basketball, score at a high clip, and do so in an efficient way, basically by himself with no other threat on the floor. Kyrie Irving, say what you want about his off the court interests and his personality and how he is, when he is playing, when he is eligible to play, when he's healthy to play, when he's on the court, he does hit shots. He is an efficient scorer. And now when you look at their newest addition in Ben Simmons, obviously we know his offensive struggles, more importantly his shooting struggles, are first and foremost. But now when you have efficient scoring in KD and Kyrie, you don't need now Ben Simmons to stuff the, uh, the stat sheet like he had to in Philly. You don't need him now taking more jumpers and, and you know having the ball further away from the basket. So there's not a big-time pressure for Ben Simmons to score in the postseason like there was for him to score in Philly. So the Nets can score in an efficient way. When you look at the Sixers, they have Embiid. You can absolutely rely on Embiid. But now, when you need that second score, you can't rely on James Harden to be efficient in the postseason. And we've seen this story, what, too often. Right? We have seen the sequel, the trilogy. We have seen this story time and time and time again for James Harden in the postseason where he has folded, where he has been unable to hit the big shot. And the big concerning point, and the concerning part, I guess I should say, is that James Harden was brought to Philly 
to hit the big shot. Right, we know Embiid's have been great. We know Embiid in the postseason has been really good. Even last year when he was hurt and dealing with the meniscus injury. He was great. The issue was no one around him could, could consistently hit shots. So you bring in a scorer like James Harden, you expect him now to be lighting up next to Embiid, and you expect him to make those big shots in the playoffs. But as we know, you can absolutely not rely on James Harden to make those shots. And when it comes to scoring, we know, sure, James Harden at times can, at the end of the day, light up the box score, make it look pretty, make it look really better than the, his game really was. He is an inefficient scorer. He's someone who could score 30 points, but it will take 25 shots in the playoffs. That's not what you need. That is not going to lead to success in the postseason for Philly to get to their first conference finals in the Joel Embiid era, get to their first finals, and make the process worth it. And you look at, you look at James Harden. Let me ask you this question, if you're a doubter here. What is James Harden's biggest postseason moment of his career? I make the argument, it's him blocking Lou Dort in Game 7 uh, of the first round of the playoffs in the bubble a few years ago. It's not a shot he hit in the Western Conference Finals, not a, you know, a big game he had in the Game 6 or Game 7 to close out a series. I would argue James Harden's biggest postseason moment of his career, one of the greatest all-time scores we have ever seen, is a defensive block in Game 7 in the bubble on Lou Dort against a Thunder team that was supposed to be tanking and was actually better than anyone anticipated. That is where we're at when it comes to James Harden. He is not an efficient scorer. He's not someone you can rely to really score in the postseason. That's a major issue for Philly and why I think that they have a major disadvantage when it comes to one of the most important parts of playoff success. I mean, look at the last few years. Let's look at just recently the last three years, the three champions of the NBA, the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Raptors. What do they all have in common? Their best players scored at a very high clip and did so in an efficient way. Giannis was a man-possessed last year. Right? We know about his free throws, but when you look at what he was able to do on the court, he averaged 30 points per game on 57% shooting. You don't make the argument he's a big man and that, you know, that shooting percentage is going to be higher because a lot of his shots are closer to the rim. Fine. Let's go back to the year before that. LeBron James in the bubble. 56% from the field in a Lakers championship. Anthony Davis, 57% from the field in that postseason. Both LeBron and AD were knocking down shots from everywhere. Couldn't be stopped. Kawhi Leonard single-handedly helped win the Raptors a title and bring an improbable championship to Toronto. He shot 49% from the field, 38% from three, and averaged 30 and a half points per game in that playoff run. Your big stars need to score and score in a very efficient way come the postseason. The Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can do that. And more than one player, the Sixers have Embiid who can do that, who right now is playing like the MVP of the league. They do not have that type of player. You cannot rely on James Harden to be an efficient scorer in the postseason. Major, major issue for Philly going forward. When you look at defense, you look at the Nets, what they're able to gain in Ben Simmons. If he is locked in, if he is playing his best basketball, you now, if you're Brooklyn, get an extremely versatile defender 
That's going to be, you know, a massive weapon in the playoffs. He can guard if you're Ben Simmons. He can guard anyone one through four on the, on the court. He brings great length, brings great athleticism that really Brooklyn didn't have before that. You pair him with Kevin Durant, who's been a pretty solid defender. You have now some wing defenders against a, a, an Eastern Conference that's filled with good wing play. You have guys that can match up. Now, Philly is a very solid defense from top to bottom. Right? Joel Embiid's a great stopper down low. Matisse Thibel is basically Simmons light out there on the wing. But the issue is, and one of the concerns, is that James Harden is dead weight defensively. So Sixers overall are a better defensive team. The Nets, though, did get the better defensive player in the trade. This comes good defense. I'd say close to a wash. They're even there. So I give the Nets advantage in efficient scoring. I give eh, basically a tie for good defense. But here's where the Nets have the final advantage that puts them over the top. Mental toughness. I trust Ben Simmons. Now with his new role on the Nets, I trust him to play better in the playoffs than I do now uh, trusting James Harden to play well with his new role in Philly in the playoffs. Like if you look at it, the Nets don't need Ben Simmons to be an all-world uh, all player in order to win. They don't need Ben Simmons to be hitting 10 or 20 jumpers a night in order for them to win a title. The issue, though, is the Sixers absolutely need James Harden to be an all-world player. They need him to be one of the best players on the floor every single night. And the issue is that's absolutely can't, you know not reliable when it comes to uh, needing a big game consistently from James Harden. Because as we know, right, the playoff pressure is ratcheted up. And unfortunately, for a player like James Harden, he tends now to bolt when the going gets tough. Right, you got to bear down. When you're going against a team like Miami, when they have Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, two dogs on the court, that are going to be in your face every single possession for all seven games, you need someone on the other side on your team that is willing to go game for game, play for play, and match that intensity, match that desire to win. Does James Harden have that insatiable desire to win? Does he have that dog mentality you need in the playoffs where you say, screw it, this guy's not winning, whatever it takes, I'm going to make sure we are on the winning end? I would say no. We've seen just in the last year, this guy's now quit on two teams. When things went south in Houston, he absolutely tanked it, he dogged it, he wanted out in the worst way possible. With the Nets this last few weeks, you have a team that, again, when Kevin Durant is healthy, when Kyrie Irving is, is healthy and eligible to play, there's not a trio in the NBA better than Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. So I get right now, Katie's hurt, Kyrie doesn't have the shot, so he's ineligible to play home games, and he's been in and out of the lineup. I get right now it's rocky. It's also February. Things change. Players can get healthy. And we don't know come playoff time if Kyrie will even, you know, he has a chance to maybe be eligible to play in every game. We don't know. But James Harden didn't want to stick around. He didn't want to fight with his guys to see the other side. He bailed as soon as trouble hit. So why should I believe, again, when the going is supposed to get tough in the playoffs, when you need your toughest players to play their best basketball come postseason time, why am I going to expect, why should anyone expect James Harden to bear down, to face the pressure of the moment, and rise above it? Like, there's a reason why James Harden struggles in the postseason. 
he loses his confidence shot by shot in the playoffs. That leads to his inefficiency when it comes to scoring in the postseason. So you can't line him to hit a big shot. You can't line him to even really fight through adversity. Anytime adversity hits, he runs the other way. You know, he run the, runs the other way. When has that ever in the postseason led to a team winning a championship? It hasn't. It absolutely hasn't. And I get here we're arguing basically one player in James Harden not facing adversity compared to the Nets where you can make the argument, sure, Kevin Durant has run from things. Kyrie Irving absolutely has run from things. Ben Simmons, we just let him quit on the Sixers. But we've also seen Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the court in the playoffs numerous times get the job done. Don't have their confidence dwindle. See the pressure, see the opportunity, and rise to the occasion. So I do trust, in that sense, the Nets, with their ability to grind through the playoffs and get the victory. So mental toughness, I give the, uh, the Nets the edge. I think it's a wash for good defense, and I do think the Nets have the scoring efficiency advantage to where you look at now at this trade, Ben Simmons and Seth Curry and Andre Drummond going to the Nets, James Harden going to the Sixers. I do think, even though the Sixers got the better player, the Nets have the better opportunity, the better chance to make the finals out of these. I'm not picking either one. I'm picking the Bucks. But it comes to these two teams because they made the trade directly. I think the Nets are the bigger beneficiary and have the better chance of making the finals than the Sixers. How about you? Am I on an island here? Am I the only one believing in the Nets here that have a better chance of taking down the Sixers? Um, or you believe in Philly? Are you believing James Harden's going to work out great in Philly? He's going to get along with Joel Embiid. He's going to rise him with the pressure. And for the first time in his career, get the job done and be the reason why a team wins in the postseason instead of being the, uh, the reason why a team loses in the playoffs. So love to hear your thoughts. Plenty of ways to contribute to the show. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at Ryan Hickey Show, at Ryan Hickey Show, or WWSRN underscore radio. Facebook. We're at Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Comment on the live stream on Facebook. Comment on the live stream on Twitter as well. We'll get your thoughts read. And we also return, the Rams had their parade yesterday. As we know, right, as every as customary to every single team who wins the championship, they're talking about running it back. They're talking about winning it again next year. How good of a chance do the Rams have of repeating as Super Bowl champs. We'll discuss that on the other side. Listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to back the Ryan Hickey Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back in to the Ryan Hickey Show Worlds, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 15 minutes from now, I want to get into the biggest flaw killing the sport of baseball right now. MLB officially in a lockout, but we've known that for a while. But now spring training has been delayed, and now we're truly starting to see the effects of this lockout for the first time when it comes to on the play uh, impact. So I do want to get into that in 15 or so minutes from now. But the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, had their Super Bowl parade yesterday. A lot of excitement, as you can imagine. A lot of drunken speeches. I hope, I pray to God, one of my teams one day will win a championship and I can be just as 
inebriated as a lot of those players and a lot of those fans were there attending the parade. Yesterday, it was not a Tom Brady, though, like uh, drunkenness for a lot of these players. No one had to be carried off. Like if we remember Tom Brady last year, but it was a good time. Everyone's a lot of having a lot of fun. And of course, right, customary to almost every single parade we have, what always gets brought up? Repeating. Run it back. We're going to, you know, start a dynasty. We're going to repeat. We're going to be here this time next year. Fans, players, coaches always love talking about repeating at parades. As we know, in the NFL, no one has done that. Everyone's talked about it. Everyone has talked about repeating. No one, though, has done it since the 2003-2004 Patriots. So basically almost two decades, two decades ago. So how good of a chance do you think the Rams have at repeating? I'd say a really damn good chance. They have, I would say, one of the best chances of any team in the last 15 years of, that won a Super Bowl of repeating. Why am I so bullish on the Rams? It's very simple. It's very easy. They have currently one of, if not, the easiest road back to a Super Bowl next year of any defending champ has had in the last 20 years. You just look at the state of the NFC right now. Let me ask you this. Who was beating the, the Rams next year? Who in the conference should the Rams be shaking in their boots about and getting nervous about that will dethrone them in the NFC and just prevent them. Forget beating them in the Super Bowl. Let's talk about just preventing them from getting to the big game. There's no one. So if you're the Rams, your season, in order to repeat, comes down to one game. The Super Bowl. Whether it's the Chiefs, whether it's the Bengals again, whether it's the Bills, whether it's a team like the Chargers. That is your, your entire season. Comes down to that Super Bowl. But I don't think in terms of the road getting there, there's anyone the Rams have to worry about. Let's look at the NFC. Okay, right now the obvious team that is the biggest roadblock to the Rams, I would say is the Packers, right? So far, Aaron Rodgers has not requested a trade. It looks like the Packers are going all in to keep Rodgers. You'd assume they also try to keep Devonta Adams. So if they run this semblance of a team back, you it's okay. The, the Packers by far are the most talented team uh, and on the same level as the Rams in terms of talent-wise. Okay, but guess what? Aaron Rodgers now, the last decade, has what? Struggled in the playoffs. He has struggled getting to the NFC title game, winning the NFC title game. If you're the Rams, and even if they do run it back in Green Bay, are you really worried about Aaron Rodgers, who just uh, helped lead a one-touchdown drive against the 49ers in the NFC divisional round game at home in the snow and the cold? I'm not worried about him. I'm absolutely not worried about him. You could beat him. Matthew, you have a quarterback in Matthew Stafford, the Rams do, that unlike Aaron Rodgers, plays well in the big moment. In the fourth quarter, you absolutely can rely on Matthew Stafford more than you can rely on Aaron Rodgers. It is just the facts. So if you're the Rams, you're going to be feeling really damn good that you have a better playoff quarterback than the Packers. Regular season-wise, Overall-wise, there's no doubt Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback. I'm not trying to sit here and make the argument Matthew Stafford's better. Aaron Rodgers is one of the all-time great quarterbacks in the NFL. But as we've seen recently, his postseason struggles can't be hidden. I don't think they're changing. So if you're the Rams and the Packers run it back, that's not a team that I would truly be worried about. 
And if they don't run it back, if Rodgers goes elsewhere, I'd assume Devontae Adams is gone. Even if he stays, Jordan Love, is he really, really scaring if you're the if you're the Rams? Is that a team where you're saying, oh man, we got to do everything we can to avoid Jordan Love and the Packers in the playoffs? Absolutely not. So in terms of talent, the team that is closest to you, I would say it's on your level right now, the Green Bay Packers, I don't think pose a massive threat to the Rams and someone that they should be truly nervous about come playoff time. Tom Brady, the GOAT, the legend, just retired. He just retired. Is he going to come back? Well, he might. He might. But when you look at this Bucks team, right now he is not there. The Buccaneers have a wide-open vacuum in terms of quarterback. They have a lot of moving parts on their team as well. We have important players like JPP, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Chris Godwin, all free agents. That's a team that you're going to have to figure out transition-wise. Are they going to transition to a rebuild? Are they going to try to keep it going? But Tom Brady right now, the best playoff quarterback we've ever seen, is not in the league. Not to mention, oh yeah, by the way, you already just beat Tom Brady in the playoffs on the road. Sure, you almost blew a 27-3 lead. Let's now, a small footnote, but Matthew Stafford got the big throw done to take down Tom Brady, send him into retirement. So even if Tom Brady does come out of retirement in August, does return and play for the Bucs, you've already beat Tom Brady not once but twice last season, once in the playoffs, on the road. And if he doesn't come back, the Buccaneers are irrelevant. Cowboys. How about the Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, right? You got a lot of talent. You have Dak Prescott. You have Zeke. You have all those great receivers. You got Micah Parsons, Rookie of the Year. You got Dan Quinn, one of the best assistant coaches in the NFL. You got Kellen Moore, young up-and-coming. You got Trayvon Diggs leading the NFL in receptions. Are the Cowboys really scaring you for the Rams? Hell no. Hell no. Cowboys consistently underachieve every single year. They do not get the most out of their talent. They brought back a head coach, Mike McCarthy, that I think is leaving or keeping this team um, not getting the most out of their potential. Dak Prescott can't be trusted in the playoffs. He's someone who has now consistently started to shrink in the big moment, has started to underperform in a lot of these big games. The Cowboys, on paper, look like a team that is scary, look like a team that is you know deep at many positions. But as we have known, as we have seen, this team consistently is able to beat the bad to okay to sometimes good teams. And anytime they play, The good teams, the really good teams, the elite teams, they can't win. I'm not scared about the Cowboys if I'm I'm the Rams. Cardinals, you brought back Cliff. I don't have to say anymore. That's it. Cliff Kingsbury, the the man who has made a living, made a career off of second-half collapses, is back in Arizona. That guy is not scaring me for the slightest. The 49ers are moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. I have no idea what Trey Lance is going to be, uh, at least next year. I think he will have success. I think he will have a nice long year in San Francisco. Can I sit here and tell you he's going to be like Patrick Holmes and Patrick Holmes is the first year starter? Absolutely not. I think, I think Trey Lance can show signs and be good and lead this team to the playoffs. I don't think he's going to, especially in year one, be a huge difference maker where the Rams have to be shaking in their boots about the 49ers. So let's, who else in the NFC is scaring you here? The Packers. Aaron Rodgers can't get it done in the playoffs. You have a better playoff quarterback I would say Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, the Packers, are, you don't have to worry about. Tom Brady retired. The Cowboys are frauds. The Cardinals have Cliff Kingsbury. The 49ers are moving on to a young, inexperienced quarterback that no one really has much info about. The Rams should breeze through this conference. 
The AFC is a gauntlet because you have Josh Allen. You have Patrick Holmes. You have Justin Herbert on the rise. You have Joe Burrow. You have Lamar Jackson. I mean, we, we just saw Josh Allen throw nine touchdown passes in the playoffs with zero picks and lose in the second round of the playoffs. Not even get to the AFC title game. He had one of the all-time, you know, in terms of efficiency, in terms of yards, in terms of, of touchdowns, had one of the all-time great playoff runs. And it ended because he ran into a quarterback that played even better than him. There's no one like that the Rams have to worry about. There's no one there where the Rams have to worry about. Even if we play our A game, we could lose. The Bills' offense played their A game throughout the entirety of the playoffs. They lost. If the Rams play their A game, there's no one in the NFC that's beating them. There's no one in the AFC that's touching them. So there's no real road or gauntlet that's going to trip up the Rams that they have to be truly concerned about. And guess what? It seems, it seems like two of the biggest question marks, two of the most impactful decisions that will, that will determine the success or failure of the Rams next season, it seems like it's going and trending in the direction that they will return. Because as we know, there was reports about Sean McVay maybe stepping away as head coach, wanting to retire, wanting to start a family, and, and kind of take a break from coaching. Then there's a report that Aaron Donald, if the Rams win the Super Bowl, could make it a you know could really consider walking away and hanging it up and ending his illustrious career. Well, I want to play something from the Rams parade yesterday. You tell me. This is Sean McVay and this is Aaron Donald at the parade yesterday. You tell me if this sounds to you like two guys who are going to retire this offseason. Run it back! 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 Give it up for Aaron Donald! What a stud! Everything! We, we, we built the super team. We can bring the super team back. Why not run it back? We could be world champions. Yeah! Wow. You talk about living your best life, first of all. Sean McVay and Aaron Down yesterday were feeling no pain whatsoever. But when you listen to what they're saying, Sean McVay, who's rumored to possibly think about stepping away, is screaming, run it back, run it back, run it back. Aaron Donald is saying, we built a super team. Why not run it back? That to me, I know they're banged up. I know they're in a different state. You're in euphoria at the parade. You're all drunk. That to me, sounds like two guys that are really considering coming back next season. So you now, if you're the Rams, where the really only thing that could derail your repeat hopes are your head coach retiring and your best defensive player, you know, one of the best defensive players of all time retiring, you now, I would say, feel pretty damn good about those two guys coming back in 2022. That's huge. You have the Matthew Stafford-Cooper Cup connection. That should grow even stronger, be even better in year number two together after setting records in year number one. Robert Woods, after tearing his ACL midway through the year, will be back. So you look at the Rams, they have some areas to retool, as always every championship, team, uh, every championship team does. They're probably going to have to retool their offensive line. They have a few free agents. They have Andrew Whitworth, I would assume, at 40 years old. After winning a Super Bowl, will retire. I'd be pretty surprised if he decides to run it back at age 41. You may have to replace Von Miller on the edge. But you know what? I will say this. Sometimes replacing guys, bringing in some fresh blood, not bringing everyone from the championship roster back and instead bringing in some outsiders – I think it actually could be a good thing. Bringing some, 
some fresh blood, if you will, I think helps to reinforce the desire, help bring back some hunger to repeat and win another championship. Not saying that every team gets complacent. I'm not saying that the reason that the, the Buccaneers didn't win was because of complacency or the, or the Chiefs didn't repeat was because of complacency. But again, when you kind of have everyone win a title and bring everyone back, there isn't that innate hunger for guys coming in who are trying to win a title for the first time and don't know what it's like to win a championship. I think bringing in a few of those guys does help kind of give some hunger to everyone else when sometimes complacency sets in. So when we're looking at the Rams here, whether it's the roster, whether it's the path to just getting to the Super Bowl, I think the Rams have the best chance of any team in the last 20 years to repeat as Super Bowl champions because their path is the easiest for any defending champ that we have seen in the last two decades. So the 03-04 uh, Patriots, I don't know if they are like the 72 Dolphins where they pop champagne anytime a defending champion uh, goes down. I don't know how much pride they take in being the last team to repeat as Super Bowl champions. But if they do celebrate, if they do pop a little bubbly in the postseason time when any time that the, the defending champ goes down, they're going to have to be nervous. They're going to be sweating this season because the Rams' path back to the Super Bowl is easy. It's a cakewalk. And the Rams may have the best chance of anyone to repeat as Super Bowl champs. So I'm curious your thoughts as we get ready to start looking ahead for 2022. Can the Rams repeat as Super Bowl champs? When you look at recent history, the Bucks failed to do so. The Chiefs failed to do so. What odds or, or how confident are you that the Rams can be the first team in almost two decades to repeat as Super Bowl champions? Love to get your thoughts. Twitter. WWSRN underscore radio is our Twitter handle. Tweet the show at Ryan Hickey Show. At Ryan Hickey Show. You can also watch the show live on Twitter at both of those handles. Just scroll down. We have the, the link to the live stream right there. You're able to comment in the live stream. So you can do two things at once. You can comment and watch the stream on Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show. Likewise on Facebook. Find us on Facebook, uh, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Just type in Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Throw us a like right there. Scroll down. Boom. There's a live feed. Comment right there as well. We'll get your thoughts right on the air when we return. Also, I do want to talk about one thing from Major League Baseball. There is one trait that is truly killing the sport, and it's the reason why we are currently now in this lockout. I'll tell you what it is and how baseball can try to save themselves. When you do return here, listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Show, Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
10 or so minutes from now on the Ryan Hickey Show, Kyler Murray or Cliff Kingsbury, who has more pressure on them entering the 2022 season? But before that, I want to do something I haven't done in a while. Talk baseball. We have not done a lot of baseball talk on this show, and there's a reason for it. Because I want to at least hit on this MLB lockout and talk about one of the worst traits baseball has, the, the biggest trait I think that's killing the sport now. I would say in our everyday lives, right, you interacting with people, me interacting with people, one of the worst traits someone could have is a lack of self-awareness. Whether it's a roommate, whether it's a friend, whether it's a spouse, whether it's just a coworker or someone kind of on the edge of your friend circle that you kind of see sometimes more than you'd like to see, the lack of self-awareness is a major turnoff. Right? Whether it's someone who's too loud doesn't realize it, too messy doesn't realize it, not knowing at times when to shut up or frankly times not being able to read the room and saying the wrong thing, I would say it's the, the lack of self-awareness is one of the quickest ways to turn someone off one of the quickest ways to turn someone from a spouse into an ex, someone from t- turning to a friend to someone you avoid, and coming, you know, turning someone who is a coworker into basically someone you hate. Right? The lack of self-awareness really is, is is an awful social trait that is a major turnoff and has a lot of negativity towards it. Well, I hate to say it, baseball right now, Major League Baseball has turned into that person with zero self-awareness they are turning everyone around them off baseball fans and non-baseball fans alike if if this is a spouse right and you have uh, you're dating someone who has zero self-awareness maybe you don't break up with them but you start to resent them sure you'll stay together and maybe one day they'll realize it but you do come crawling back eventually i'm kind of like that i'm a massive baseball fan the mets are one of my favorite teams all like all time the right up there, the you know team I care about the most, the team I have the most passion for. I love baseball. I love the Mets. So whenever this lockout does, and I'm going back, the lack of self-awareness isn't killing it for me, but it is killing the sport overall, and it's not good for anyone. So you can look at all of baseball's problems, because there's a lot of them, starting with the lockout starting with marketing, starting with appealing to younger audiences, getting the game in a better place that's more pleasing on the eyes to watch, having more action. Everything that baseball right now is struggling with can be traced back to a lack of self-awareness, and it's truly a lack of self-awareness from 31 people. The 30 owners of the 30 MLB teams and Rob Manfred, the commissioner. That is where the, the lack of self-awareness is starting from, where it really resides, and it's really getting to the point where it's spread all throughout the sport that it's wreaking and turning a lot of people off. Like, I would argue the, the owners and Rob Manfred are single-handedly putting baseball on the endangered species list because they have a horrible misconception about their sports place in Society. Again, no lack of self-awareness. Because guess what? When it comes to the sports we care about the most, when it comes to the pecking order of important sports in our country, as you know, far and away, number one, top of the food chain is the NFL. Whether it is September, 
whether it is February, whether it's April, whether it's June, we are always probably talking football one way or another on this show. Right? That's just the way it is. We always talk a lot of football, and there's a reason why, for the most part, football topics always resonate, always get people talking no matter what time of year it is, and football has become a year-round topic. People care. People love the sport. So you have NFL way at the top of the food chain. Down below, NBA. People are really caring. And that's a sport that is still has a lot of interest. And then you have way, 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 way down the list, America's pastime. Baseball. Football, NBA, boom, 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 boom. Down the list, baseball. It is nowhere close, baseball, to the popularity of the NBA and nowhere close to the popularity and the dominance of the NFL and the, kind of the grip they have on our society. So with that said, when you are way down the list in terms of sports people care about in this country, sports people are talking about on a daily basis, you should, if you're baseball, if you're the owners, if you're Ron Manfred, you should be in the mindset of trying to bring fans in, opening the gates, if you will, trying to welcome and trying to market your sport to anyone that would listen. Instead, baseball has been chasing them away, been the get-off-my-lawn kind of guy, kind of neighbor. Instead of bringing them in, being welcoming, they are leaving their fans out in the cold and not doing anything to try to grow their sport. And guess what? When you're not playing games, when you're not on the field, it's hard to bring new fans in. That's what this lockout is doing. There's no baseball. No one's talking about it. Like, let me ask you this. We're talking baseball right now on this show. Like I said, this is the first time in a long time we have talked a baseball topic on the Ryan Hickey Show here. When was the last time you heard someone on sports radio talking about baseball? Talking about baseball from a national perspective. There's not been a lot of baseball chatter. Like, could you imagine if this was the NFL? If this was the NFL, we would be talking about the lockout every single day. If training camps were delayed, we would be leading with the NFL and, and the latest on the, you know, on the lockout every single day. There's not many updates on the MLB lockout. There's not many discussion points on the MLB lockout. I hate to say it, baseball is at a point now where it's, out of sight, out of mind. All right, we know in today's day and age, the news cycle moves fast. We go from one thing to another in the blink of an eye. A massive story that maybe 10 years ago would last weeks, now lasts hours. Big story breaks on Twitter. Everyone immediately gives their thoughts. An hour later, okay, what's the next thing? Okay, that's old news. Let's get to the next big story. But we move quick. We go very, very, very quick. And guess what? Again, when you're moving that fast, when you go from one thing to the next to the next to the next, when you're always looking for news, you're always looking for stories, when you're out of sight, when you're not on the field, when you're not playing baseball, you're out of mind. And baseball is continually now taking themselves out of the public eye, taking themselves out of the running to grow their sport. Because right now, they are content with a lockout. They are content with delaying spring training, which is now was supposed to start yesterday. Patriots and catchers were supposed to report. This was today was supposed to be the first official day 
of spring training. As we know, that is not the case. It is delayed. Delayed spring training is probably going to lead to a delayed regular season. And whether they eventually play a full 162 and just push the season back, and you push it, you know, your season later into football, have more games going up against the NFL, good luck with that. Or you cut the season short and you have less games, less opportunities to market the game and less opportunities to have your fans watch in person, watch, you know, watch baseball. You are not doing yourself any good. You are not giving yourself the chance for more exposure and thus more growth. That comes from a lack of self-awareness. Or baseball doesn't think, the owners don't think, hey, we need to be doing everything possible to grow our game, which means we got to do everything possible to hammer out a deal in order to get baseball back on the field in a timely fashion. They're sitting on their hands. They're content with right now riding it out and waiting this thing out as long as possible. That's not good. That's a lack of self-awareness that is killing the sport, not hurting it. And the sad part is this is not the only time that baseball has really hurt themselves. The 2020 in, in, uh, pandemic season was a total embarrassment. The fact they could not, the players and the owners, especially and the owners, really trying to be a, as greedy as possible here and get every last penny uh, and waiting out to the point where we had a 60-game season where there's no sports going on in May and June and for most of July and baseball let that window fly right out from under them. They had a captive audience. They had fans desperate to watch anything live when it came to sports. They couldn't get their act together. They didn't feel the motivation. They didn't feel or they didn't sense their place in society where they are down on the totem pole. They are not one of the kings. They need to be in the mindset of chasing fans, not chasing them away. And instead, they were like, ah, we don't need them. We'll wait this out. I want to make sure I get an extra mil, you know, a few million in my pocket before we agree to play a season. I'm not doing this to lose money. Instead of realizing the growth opportunity that was there when you have a million different eyeballs now watching your sport that never would have watched baseball before because there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else on. The bars aren't open. There's no other sports on TV. Daytime TV sucks. It's a summertime. You need something to do. You need something to watch. And baseball had that opportunity and just said, eh, we're good. We're good. It's a lack of self-awareness. And unfortunately, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Right? Baseball has a lot of issues, as we know. Marketing, social media, they're well behind everyone. And part of it is they just don't realize how important those things are to their, to their sport, to their growth, and getting fans back to loving the sport. A lack of self-awareness from Rob Manfred, from the 30 owners, is the biggest reason why we are, we are in this lockout right now. The biggest reason why the lockout has crept into spring training and probably will delay the regular season. And the biggest reason why baseball has gone from America's pastime to now a total afterthought. Those personality traits are a major, major, major turnoff and it's happening to baseball in front of our eyes. So who I hope we talk baseball again soon. I have no clue when. I hope there's you know the two sides are meeting today. I pray to God there's a deal done and we are close to getting baseball back on the field. But it is not looking good whatsoever. So when we do return, at least on the Ryan Q show, 
we're going back to what people care about, the NFL. Kyle Murray last week started drama by scrubbing the Cardinals content from his social media. I think that did one major thing for this upcoming season. Because now let's put the question out there. Who has more pressure on him to succeed in 2022? Is it Cliff Kingsbury or is it Kyler Murray? We'll discuss that when we return to the Ronnie Key Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. 15 minutes from now, the debut segment of Would You Rather? You have four interesting NFL topics, so that's good. Rather this. Or would you rather that? I think it'll be a lot of fun. Very excited to dive into that 15 minutes or so from now. I want to remind you that the 10 o'clock hour, as always, is sponsored by LC Designs. Charcuterie boards are great for all occasions, so make sure your guests are happily fed with some delicious and aesthetically pleasing. Nice little one-two punch there. Good to eat and good to look at. So make sure you check out lcdesignsnyc.com, lcdesigns.com nyc.com for more information last week kyler murray set the nfl world ablaze set the desert on fire if you will by scrubbing all cardinals related content from his social media there was no tweets there was no press conference there was no quotes from kyler murray he just did this unfollowed the cardinals and kind of made a little uh little stand there as we know well, I want to kind of look at it now going forward for 2022. Because I do think there is a lasting impact here. The story's not over, right? He put an apology out on Monday. Basically, that's not who he is. It's nonsense. You know, it's not what he's about. He's looking to get better. I don't think the story ends there, though. That social media scrubbing, that move by Kyler Murray to kind of bring attention to himself and his relationship with the Cardinals, I think has a lasting impact now moving forward. Because what it does is, it puts a mega spotlight that wasn't there before, but now shines a light bright on Kyler Murray's 2022 season. I think it's now to the point, excuse me, where Kyler Murray has more pressure on him to succeed than his head coach Cliff Kingsbury next season. Cliff came into the hot seat, uh, came into the season as uh, on the hot seat. If you listen to the show, you should know or maybe you know already, but if not, if you're new, welcome. I have not been the biggest Cliff Kingsbury fan. I think he should have been fired after the wild card round loss to the Rams. As we know, that didn't happen. So someone, it's hard to have more pressure on you than a head coach who comes into the season on the hot seat who needs some real playoff success in order to keep his job. That's tough. But I think Kyler now, with his social media actions, has put more pressure on himself to have a better season than Cliff because when you call out your team, when you throw your team under the bus, you need to back it up with your play. Like, there's no excuses. He tried to walk it back before, but it's already, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube. You need now, after calling out your team, to ball out in 2022. Have a great season in 2022. You can't, if you're Kyler Murray, cause drama on social media, 
put Cardinals fans into, you know, into a frenzy. Kind of put your head coach, your GM, the rest of the team on blast and feel like you are getting the unnecessary blame for the way the season ended. Feel like you're a scapegoat, which is what ESPN's Chris Morton is reporting how Kyler Murray feels towards the organization. You can't create a firestorm leading into the Super Bowl and then the following season go out and lay an egg. You can't even, if you're Kyler Murray, have a repeat of 2021. You need to start strong, have a strong middle of the season, and finish strong. 2022 has to be a lot better of a season than 2021 does. And you know what? And the reason why Kyler Murray, to me, has more pressure on the Cliff Kingsbury is because I'm skeptical that Kyler Murray can reach that level of success, can have a great full 17-game season and carry it over into the playoffs because so far we are seeing an early pattern develop in Kyler Murray's game, and it's similar to his head coach. If we go back to 2020, Kyler Murray had a great season. Halfway through the season, right? I would say argue halfway through the year, you can make the argument he was in the MVP race. He was playing great. After that miraculous Hail Murray, if you remember, right, where he throws the, the final play of the game, DeAndre Hopkins comes down with it. The Cardinals are 6-3. and three. Those nine games, Kyler Murray accounted for 27 total touchdowns to 10 turnovers. Okay, so basically almost a 3-to-1 ratio, touchdown to turnover. That's pretty good. Kyler Murray's put up a lot of points, and the Cardinals are winning games there 6-3. and three. The final seven games of the season, the Cardinals go 2-5. and five. In those seven games, Kyler Murray records just 10 total touchdowns to six turnovers. So the, the touchdown and point production, way down. The turnovers stay the same, almost about one per game. And the Cardinals falter down the stretch. They go two and five. And after starting six and three, miss the playoffs. Okay. That was year two for Kyler. He's a little bit banged up towards the end of the season. 2021 will be a lot better of a season. He'll bounce back. He'll start strong. He'll finish strong. And Kyler Murray in year three will really kind of take the league over by storm. You know what? For the first half of the season, he did just that. 7-1 the Cardinals were, if you remember, the final undefeated team in the NFL. Kyler Murray threw eight games, 20 total touchdowns, seven turnovers. A little bit less than 2020, but still. 20 total, uh, 20 total touchdowns. They're scoring a lot. Seven, to uh, seven turnovers. The final seven games of the year, including the playoff loss to the Rams. The Cardinals were 1-5. Kyler Murray had just nine total touchdowns to five turnovers. So the first half of 2020, he had a 27-10 to 10 touchdown to turnover ratio. The final, uh, what is that, seven games of the season for 2020, 10 total touchdowns, six turnovers. 2021, 20-7 touchdown to turnover ratio. The final seven games, 9-5. to five. There's a pattern developing here where Kyler Murray cannot only finish strong, cannot play well in the biggest games of the season. So you have now Kyler Murray in scrubbing his social media and causing drama, basically talking the talk of a big game quarterback. But unfortunately, he is yet to walk the walk, and that doesn't fly. For me, 
That's why there's now this, there's so much more pressure on Kyler Murray because he has basically cashed a check that he right now can write. He has frustrated the organization. And he feels like he is getting unnecessary blame when, in fact, he is a big part of why the re, uh, of why the Cardinals collapse in the second half of the season. You know me, a lot of blame goes on Cliff Kingsbury, but Kyler Murray is without fault. He is absolutely without fault. Well, he's not without fault, I should say. No, he is absolutely to blame. I screwed that up. My apologies. But he is trying to make it sound like he is the only saving grace in the Cardinals organization. He's the only reason why the Cardinals are even relevant right now. And that is just not the case. And you look at other quarterbacks that have voiced their frustration with their teams, right? We've had a few recently. Russell Wilson, remember last year, had the whole, i frustrated the O-line. I want more say in the offense. I want more say in personnel. And then at one point, his agent linked to Adam Schefter, four teams Russell Wilson would approve a trade to. We've never seen that before. That was an ultimate power play. Russell Wilson disgruntled voices disgruntlement. Deshaun Watson. Before, before the legal um, accusations off the field came about, in January and February, he basically requested a trade from the, uh, from the Texans and said, I can't play here anymore. I am truly the only thing upholding this crappy organization. And he was right. Aaron Rodgers, unsure about his future. My future is a beautiful mystery. He left the world uh, on edge for basically an entire year. We are still on edge and wondering about Aaron Rodgers' future. And even he himself, maybe, hasn't made the decision of whether he's going to return or whether he's going to uh, leave Green Bay. So Aaron Rodgers tried to have a power play at one point to leave Green Bay. Deshaun Watson requested a trade and just did not give up basically playing for the Texans. Russell Wilson voiced his disgruntlement and had his agent leak teams he would approve a trade to. You know why those three quarterbacks don't have pressure on them in the following seasons to basically put up or shut up? They have earned the right to voice their disgruntlement. They have earned the right to speak up and demand change from their organization. Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I would put him in the elite category. Now, last year didn't really go great. Injured uh, injured hand really kind of derailed the entire season. I still think Russell Wilson is a great quarterback. Deshaun Watson, do not look at the record of the Texans in 2020. Obviously, 2021 is a Washington play. But the last time Deshaun Watson was on the field, he was a Pro Bowl quarterback for a team that was 4-12, for a team that was hapless. He literally dragged that organization to four wins. He had a head coach of Bill O'Brien that I like as a head coach, but as a GM, it was literally dismantling the team and making them worse with every move he made, not better. You had an owner in Cal McNair who is listening to a former character coach in Jack Easterby who has somehow risen to be the most powerful man in the organization who has no football background but yet continues to advise the owner on every single move he makes within the organization. It makes no sense. But Deshaun Watson is a great elite quarterback where he truly has the right. He has earned the equity to Sound off and be frustrated. And Aaron Rodgers, we know, is an all-time great quarterback. All-time great. He has earned the right to, if he feels he is, you know, not being treated fairly, 
If he feels like he's not getting the perks that other quarterbacks are getting, he deserves the right to speak up and voice his frustration. Kyler Murray is not at that level. Kyler Murray has done nothing on the field to earn the right to criticize his team and basically blame the team, not himself, for their failures. Kyler is not on the level of a Russell Wilson, a Deshaun Watson, or Aaron Rodgers. He's not even close. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about cashing a check or writing a check he can't cash. Kyler Murray is talking and trying to pull a power play that big-time quarterbacks have had before in Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Aaron Rodgers. The difference being, though, those three quarterbacks, before they spoke out, were able to earn the right to speak out because they have played great season over great season. They have risen to being elite quarterbacks in this league. Kyler Murray is yet to do so. Kyler Murray is yet to play well in a big game you know, after Thanksgiving. How about you work on that first, Kyler? So that, to me, is the reason why now Kyler Murray, in scrubbing his social media, has put all the attention on himself. Now it's put up or shut up time. You cannot basically feel like you are getting wronged by your team and then go and lay an egg in 2022. You cannot put your team on blast, cause this drama surrounding you when nothing was really there in the first place, cause a cause drama by your team that did get you DeAndre Hopkins, did you know go out and sign J.J. Watt, did trade for Zach Ertz, did make moves to make their team better over the years to put town around you. It's like they have just left the cupboard bare. They have made moves to make Kyler Murray a better quarterback. You cannot voice your disgruntlement or your frustration and then not back it up on the field. That is why, to me, Kyler Murray has more pressure on him than his head coach, who I think has to win at least, at least one playoff game to keep his job. Like, we know what Cliff Kingsbury is as a head coach. Cliff Kingsbury has been around uh, coaching enough for us to get a read on who he is. You know who he is? He's a great-looking guy who has his team get off, get off to fast starts every single season and has them have crash landings every single season. He has been a head coach, whether it's at Texas Tech or whether it's with the Cardinals. He has been a head coach for now nine seasons going back to 2013. That is enough of a sample size to tell us who Cliff Kingsbury is as a head coach. He is not a good one. He's not a good one. Again, I kind of told you going into this season, I thought he should have been fired. And I thought he should have been fired after they lost the wild card uh, round game to the Rams. Rams, uh, the Cardinals had different ideas. So now you're going to 2022 with, I think, a coach that's on the hot seat, Cliff Kingsbury, where you absolutely cannot have a second half collapse like he's had in 2021 and 2020, and 19, and 18, and 17, and 16, and 15, and 14, and 13. Literally, a second half collapse every single season he's been a head coach. You not only now have to turn the tide for the first time in your decade as a head coach, do something you've never done before, then also win at least maybe two, you know, one, maybe two playoff games just to keep your job. That is a lot of pressure on Cliff Kingsbury. That is a lot of attention paid towards him. But you know who the happiest person in Arizona right now is? Cliff Kingsbury. Because now this spotlight has moved off him a little bit, and it's now being shown on Kyler Murray. I don't know about yourself, but I think a lot of, for me at least, a lot of the blame, a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the blame 
uh, for 2021 goes on Cliff Kingsbury. I think a lot of the attention goes on Cliff Kingsbury. Now going to 2022, I still do think if the Cardinals collapse again in the second half, if they do what they did in 2021 and 2020, a lot of the blame and the attention would go towards Cliff Kingsbury. He'd be fired, and Kyler Murray would then go into year five with a new head coach, and then we would start to pay attention to, hmm, maybe it's not all Cliff, maybe it's Kyler. If his struggles continue with the new head coach. Well, now, Kyler Murray has quickened the uh, evaluation process. He has now put himself on the fast track to our 2022 now, I do think, is the year of Kyler Murray where he's basically made it a make or break season. You got to now, if you're Kyler Murray, back up your, can't even say words, I guess your actions. You need to play like a top-tier quarterback in the NFL, not to just get paid and get a nice contract extension, but to back up the drama that you unnecessarily caused this offseason. So I do think Cliff Kingsbury... I don't say getting a free pass here, but does have some pressure taken off of him. And now I think there's more of a spotlight on Kyler Murray in his 2022 play than Cliff Kingsbury and how he does next season. How about you? Who has more pressure on them next season? Is it, Ky- is it Kyler Murray or is it Cliff Kingsbury? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show. Also, WWSRN underscore radio. When we return here on the show, the debut of a brand new segment, a little game we will play, Would You Rather. I don't know about you, I love playing this game growing up. We'll do so with some NFL topics next. So, Would You Rather, when the Ryan Aker Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. There we go. Welcome on back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm going to play a little game here. I was kind of thinking about this, uh, you know, a few different storylines in the NFL. And I thought, you know what? This would be a good chance here to start a brand new game. Would you rather? Would you rather eat a thousand pounds of ice cream? Or would you rather have a thousand cookies? I love playing this game because I love the strategy that kind of, you know, the, the game involves when you have to choosing things either you'd love to do or you hate to do, right? It's kind of one of those where it's hard to choose, but I do love the strategy and, and the thinking behind it. So we're going to take Would You Rather and bring it to the sports world. They got a few questions here um, that I want to know your take on. Would you rather this? Or would you rather that? So make sure you comment on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter. You can tweet us at WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Shows where you can give your answers. So play along here. This is not just me playing by myself. I want you to play along as well. So give your answers on, on Twitter and Facebook as well. So if you're a Rams fan here, we'll start with number one. This is an interesting one. Would you rather have Aaron Donald retire this offseason or Sean McVay? Who would you rather see retire out of Aaron Donald or Sean McVay? I would go Aaron Donald. I, if I was a Rams fan, would rather see Aaron Donald retire this offseason than Sean McVay. Here's why. I think Sean McVay's presence is more important for consistent success in L.A. than Aaron Donald. Let's call it for what it is. It is an offensive league. 
It is a league where you mostly win by quarterback play, by how your running backs play, by how your offense does get the job done or lack thereof. And Sean McVay is one of the best, best offensive minds in all of the NFL. Like, when you look at this season, when you look at how Matthew Stafford, especially the connection between Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, you look at their success, I would say a large part of it is because of Sean McVay's scheme. Matthew Stafford's a very, very good quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from him. Cooper Cup is a very good wide receiver. I'm not taking anything away from him. But when you look at the season Cooper Cup had, 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns. Is that all because Cooper Cup is the most unguardable human on this planet where he's almost like a, a robot and superhuman? Or is that because Sean McVay is a person who, as a play caller, as an offensive genius, is able to scheme Cooper Cup open, is able to put Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford in positions to where the defense is always at a disadvantage, and that's why they have success. Free, I'd go with the latter. No offense to Cooper Cup, he's a great receiver. Physically, he's not like he's Calvin Johnson, where you just, you just literally can't physically match up with the guy, and no one could slow him down, no one could out-jump him, no one could tackle him, no one's stronger than him. Cooper Cup kind of looks like me. Six foot, 180 pounds, soaking wet. But the thing, though, is the reason why he was unguardable. It's not because teams are sleeping on Cooper Cup. He didn't have almost 2,000 receiving yards and 16 touchdowns because teams just forgot about him. Every single defensive coach in the NFL circled Cooper Cup as a guy to slow down the most. And guess how many teams did it? Basically none. The reason was because Sean McVay found new creative ways every single game, every single drive to put Cooper Cup in an advantage, in an advantageous, uh, advantageous situation to have success. He was always, Sean McVay was one step ahead of defensive coordinators and they were always kind of guessing wrong or unable to slow down the best receiver in the NFL. So that for me is more important and his retirement will be felt more in a negative way than I think one of the best defensive players of all time. So if you are the Rams and you have to choose one player or one person to retire this uh, from the organization, Sean McVay or Aaron Donald, I would rather keep Sean McVay. I would prefer Aaron Donald to retire. Let's go to number two. There was a report out from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler this week that Deshaun Watson has two trade preferences he has. The Minnesota Vikings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if we could put ourselves in Deshaun Watson's seat, assuming again legally he is allowed to play in the NFL. That should go without saying, but just to I make sure I cut my bases here. Deshaun Watson can play in the NFL. Both teams are interested, the Vikings and the Buccaneers. Who, if you were Deshaun Watson, would you choose? Who would you want to play for? Would you rather play for the Vikings? Or would you rather play for the Buccaneers? My answer is the Vikings. I think the, the Minnesota Vikings are honestly closer to a, a Super Bowl than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are right now. Hear me out. Minnesota, if Deshaun Watson goes there, would have one of the most explosive offenses in all of the NFL. You have Justin Jefferson. Under contract, going nowhere. One of the best young receivers in the NFL. You have Adam Thielen, 
pairing with Justin Jefferson to be one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver any team has. You have Dalvin Cook, who is one of the best running backs in all of the NFL. You pair that, one of the best one-two wide receiver duos in the NFL with one of the best running backs in the NFL, you pair that with Deshaun Watson, who I would still put in the elite category as a quarterback, that is an offense that is not going to be slowed down. That's an offense that's not going to be stopped. And now you bring in Kevin O'Connell, coming over from the Rams, bringing a lot of the Rams' schemes and play calls with him. I think Deshaun Watson, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Davin Cook would have massive, massive success. So whether Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay or not, I think the Vikings are legitimately, if they land, Aaron, uh, they land Deshaun Watson, are contending for the NFC North next year. It's a walkover if Aaron Rodgers leaves. It's their division by far enough that you just throw your helmets on the field. It's over. But even if Aaron Rodgers stays, that's a division I legitimately believe Minnesota could contend for and win next season. And we're talking about Super Bowl here. We're talking about, you know, do you have a better chance to win a Super Bowl with the Vikings or the Buccaneers? I look at that Minnesota offense. They can go toe-to-toe with the Rams. They can go toe-to-toe with the Packers. They can go toe-to-toe with the Cardinals or the Cowboys, whoever offense, whatever offense explodes next year. That, to me, right now, Minnesota is in a better place to win than the Buccaneers because when you look at the Buccaneers and their roster right now, Sean Watson's a great quarterback. But they have, to me, Tampa has too many questions for 2022, too many holes that I think have to be addressed to where the Vikings are, are more ready to win now. Like, you look at the important free agents that Tampa has. You got Chris Goblin, who's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He tore his ACL. He's going to be, you know, will he be fully healthy next year? Are you going to give him a contract extension? That's uh, a big question mark. You have Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, two solid tight ends, free agents. Ryan Jensen, your, your leader on the line as your center, free agent. JPP, Leonard Fournette, big-time free agents as well. There was a lot of important pieces, a lot of contributors to the 2020 Super Bowl that are free agents that could retire, that could go chase the payday now that they have the ring. And I do think it's harder for this Buccaneers team to get to the level of the Vikings right now because the Vikings have everything in place outside of the quarterback where the Bucs need a quarterback, but they also have some bigger questions outside of just that position. So I think there's more long-term success more opportunities to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl with Minnesota than there is the Buccaneers. So if I was a Sean Watson and I was choosing between the Buccaneers or the Vikings, I am taking the Vikings. Speaking of quarterback decisions, as we know, the Denver Broncos are one that are going big game hunting, right? They hired Nathaniel Hackett, the former uh, Packers offensive coordinator. They are going all in on Aaron Rodgers. We'd assume they're also going all in on Russell Wilson. So if you had the choice, both quarterbacks wanted to go to Denver. The price to acquire them is the same. Would you, if you were a Broncos fan, would you rather have Russell Wilson or would you rather have Aaron Rodgers? If I'm Denver, I take Russell Wilson. I'd rather have Wilson over Rodgers. And to be honest, this answer is strictly age motivated. Russell Wilson is 33. Aaron Rodgers is 38. I know Aaron Rodgers has now you know, won back-to-back MVP awards. He's a four-time MVP winner, whereas Russell Wilson has never won even or never even got, excuse me, an MVP vote in his career before. The one Super Bowl uh, Russ won was because of the Legion of Boom in the defense. 
with that said, though, I would still rather take Wilson um, over Aaron Rodgers because, again, you get more now bites at the apple. It's a five-year gap. Not that Aaron Rodgers has showed you any signs of slowing down, but in reality, being 38 years old, how many great years does Aaron Rodgers have left in him? Two? Three? I mean, I know Tom Brady just retired at 44, and he led the NFL in passing yards, touchdowns, etc. I think Tom Brady's one of one where I can't sit here and say Aaron Rodgers is going to be exactly like Tom Brady where at age 43 and 44 is playing some of his best football of his career. I don't think it's happening. So you have Aaron Rodgers at 30. I would say two to three really good MVP caliber years left in him. We're just looking at Russell Wilson. And you can look at Russ, the window open for, what, six to seven years? Like, I think Russ is still six to seven really damn good years left in him that could elevate this team to Super Bowl contention. And when you look at the roster construction of the Broncos, by the way, let's not forget, this is a very young team. This team is not kind of built to go all in the next two or three years, and then from there they'll kind of rebuild. Right? They're not the Buccaneers. Where you at? They had a lot of, you know, good pieces there, but they also brought in a lot of other rentals to go in. It's not like it's the Rams where they went all in on, let's say, the next two or three years, and then from there they got a lot of decisions to make. The Broncos have a young roster everywhere. Running back, tight end, receiver, defensive back, defensive line. They are a very young team. So you got to think, if you have Russell Wilson, that six- to seven-year window is legitimately open because you not only have the quarterback in his age, you have the roster that should be there for a while as well. Whereas Aaron Rodgers used to have, I would say, two to three years, and then you probably have to look for another quarterback after Rodgers that can compete and still bring this team to a Super Bowl because um, this team is still going to be pretty damn good in two or three years. So I would go with Russell Wilson. Even though Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback, I would rather go with having a larger Super Bowl window, and that's why I would go with the youth of Russell Wilson. I would take Russ over Rodgers. And finally, here we'll, we'll end on a high note here. So I, I hope you saw this. It went viral all, all uh, this week. Pretty crazy to hear. So Van Jefferson, wide receiver for the Rams, not only is he playing in the Super Bowl, he's also now expecting the birth of his son. His wife went into labor during the game. She was at the game, was uh, had to leave in the fourth quarter, according to reports, to go to the hospital to give birth to their son. So if you are Van Jefferson, you are a wide receiver playing in the Super Bowl, and also your wife is about to give birth, would you rather find out your wife is in labor during the game? Or would you rather find out your wife is in labor after the game for me my answer is after the game i'll be completely honest here you're playing in the super bowl the biggest game of your life you know it's no guarantee you're getting back you know how hard it is for teams to get back i would rather playing in the biggest game where everyone is watching in my life i would rather not know my wife is in labor till the game is over i really don't want any distractions here I don't want any distractions in the back of my mind as I'm running a post route knowing, oh, geez, maybe my son's born already. I hope my wife is doing okay. I don't even want the have to put the thought in my head of, should I leave the game? Because if you were told, let's say, on the sideline in the third quarter, hey, they come up to you, hey, Van, your wife just left the, you know, the stadium. She's going to labor. She's on her way to the hospital. 
for the birth of your second son. I mean, it's just natural. It's just human instinct to wonder, should I be there? Should I leave right now to be there for the birth of my child and support my wife? Or do I stay here with the team and try to win a Super Bowl? To be honest, to be very selfish here, I don't even want to have that thought in my head. I don't want to have to even make the decision of whether to choose football or family. I would rather just be in the dark. You know what they say? Ignorance is bliss. For me, this is one of those situations where ignorance is bliss. I would rather not know until after the game. Win or lose, if you lose, it's a good pick-me-up. Oh, wow, my son's being born. This is a great moment in life. If you win, it's just icing on the cake. I'm a Super Bowl champion, and now I'm going to watch the, you know, I'm going to have another child. So I would rather not know. I don't want to be, you know, even if I choose to stay, I don't want to be thinking in the back of my mind, oh, wow, my son is being born. This is crazy. I'd rather not know. I'd rather find out after the game, have someone tell me your wife's in labor and then run to the hospital. Kind of want to, like, what happened? There's a, if you haven't seen you got to look it up on Twitter or NFL Films. They put out a clip this week of the moment Van Jefferson found out. He's playing the confetti. The game is over. His, his daughter's on the field. And all of a sudden, what looks like a Rams PR uh, person runs up to him and says, Van, your wife left the game. She's, you know, in labor. She's at the hospital. You got to go. And then Van, whoop, scoops up and you see him kind of running, running off. I'd rather know then after the game than rather know in the heat of the moment and have to make a decision. Do I stay or do I go? I'd rather find out after. I do not want the distraction. Um, and that's what happened, but that's what I would rather do. So I'm curious your thoughts here. I think some good, good, fun questions here. What would you do? What would you rather have happen? Would you rather learn your wife is in labor in that exact moment or would you f- rather find out after, let's say, a, you know, the most important game or most important meeting to, you know, to relate to real world here of your life? If you're the Broncos, would you rather have Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback next year? If you are Deshaun Watson, you have the choice between the Vikings or the Buccaneers. Who would you rather play for? Who gives you a better chance to make the Super Bowl? And if you're the Rams, there's uh, retirement rumors about Sean McVay. There's retirement rumors about Aaron Donald. If you have to choose one of them to retire, who would you rather see retire next season? Is it Sean McVay or is it Aaron Donald? Plenty of ways to get involved. Plenty of ways to have some fun here on the show. So tweet us at Ryan uh, Hickey Show. Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. You can also uh, check us out at WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. You can write on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What would you rather do? Love to hear your thoughts. We'll get your answers on the other side. And also, we'll finish out the show. Speaking of the Rams, they talked repeat at their Super Bowl uh, parade yesterday. Do the Rams have a good chance of repeating? We'll discuss when we return. You're listening to the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I hope you enjoy. I hope you appreciated the "Would You Rather" debut on the Ryan Hickey Show. In case you're just joining in and do want to play a little game here before we get out of here, ask your four questions, right? The would you rather game we've all played growing up as kids and just maybe played even today. I still love playing it. So if you had to choose, would you rather have Aaron Donald or Sean McVay retire? 
Would you rather, if you were Deshaun Watson, choose to play for the Vikings next season or the Buccaneers, two teams that are reportedly on the top of Deshaun Watson's wish list if he's able to play next season? If you're the Broncos, as we know, right, they, are, they have been all in on Aaron Rodgers. If you were the choice, would you rather have Russell Wilson as your quarterback or would you have Aaron Rodgers? And finally, Rams wide receiver Van Jefferson's his wife went into labor during the Super Bowl, left the game to go to the hospital to deliver their child. Would you rather, if you were the, the star receiver, if you were Van Jefferson, star's a little extreme. I apologize there. Take that one back. No offense, Van, but, you know, call for what it is. If you were Van Jefferson and your wife was going to labor, would you rather find out in the moment as soon as it happens, even if it's during an important meeting, or if you want to put ourselves in the Super Bowl, you know, in the receiver's shoes happening in the Super Bowl, or would you rather not find out and not be told until after the game concludes? So different ways to join in. Tweet us your, your uh, answers uh, on Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show. At Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. Also, WWSRN underscore radio. Also, if you're watching on Twitter, we appreciate you. Comment right there. Live stream is a nice and easy way to uh, get your thoughts involved. Facebook. If you're checking us out on Facebook, you can check us out at Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can comment right there in the comment section as well. Would you rather this or would you rather that? Speaking of would you rather, let's finish up the show, at least finishing up with some Rams talk because they had their parade yesterday and they uh, were talking repeat. They were talking running it back and they were talking about um, winning back-to-back Super Bowls. As we know, no one has done that since the Patriots of 2003 and 2004. How likely is it that the Rams can repeat as Super Bowl champions? I think very likely for one very simple reason. Their road back to the Super Bowl is the easiest of any defending champion they've had to navigate. Let me ask you this question. If you're a doubter in the Rams, if you don't think the Rams can just get back to the Super Bowl next season, who is beating them in the NFC? Who is blocking LA's path back to the big game next year? The Packers. They've already, you know, Ryan Rodgers, he returns. As we know, he already has plenty of postseason struggles where he has struggled to win the big game in the, in the postseason. If he doesn't return, if Jordan Love is the guy, Okay, Jordan loves the guy. That's not exactly posing a big-time threat. So the Packers, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, and you have confidence you're the Rams that you can absolutely beat them. Aaron Rodgers has struggled in the postseason. Jordan Love doesn't worry you at all. Tom Brady retired. The best quarterback of all time is out the door. So the, the Bucs take a hit. And even if Tom Brady does return, let's not forget, the Rams beat Tom Brady and the Bucs twice last year. Once on the road in the playoffs as well. So even if Tom Brady does return, I don't think you're really shaking your boots if you're a Rams fan that the big bad Bucks are going to be this big roadblock to you getting back to the Super Bowl. Who else in the NFC is taking down the Rams? The Cowboys? No one. No one is scared of the Cowboys. The Rams play their best football in the fourth quarter in crunch time. The Cowboys play their worst football in the fourth quarter, in the playoffs, anytime they play good teams. You are not worried about the Cowboys. The Cardinals, they still have Cliff Kingsbury, the choke artist, and now Kyler Murray. Can you really trust Kyler Murray in the playoffs after what we saw? Absolutely not. The 49ers are moving on from Jimmy G. Is Trey Lance going to be a good quarterback? I would say yes. He's going to be a good quarterback right away to where he is a world beater in 2022, kind of like when Patrick Mahomes took over the Chiefs in 2018. I would be shocked. 
I would be shocked if Trey Lance in 2022 plays like Patrick Holmes in 2018 or Holmes in his first year as a starter had 50 touchdown passes. I think Trey Lance would be good. I wouldn't say good right away. So you look at the landscape of the NFC. There is no team that worries you if you are the Rams of getting in your way and preventing you going from back-to-back Super Bowls. Packers, you shouldn't be that nervous about. The, the Buccaneers just lost the best quarterback of all time. Cowboys don't scare you. Cardinals don't scare you. 49ers don't scare you. What team in the NFC is stopping the Rams from going to back-to-back Super Bowls? So their path to the Super Bowl is very easy out of the NFC. Their two most important pieces on the team, two of the most important to their Super Bowl success, Aaron Donald and Sean McVay. Both questions about their futures. Will they retire or won't they? Well, yesterday, you had both of them screaming, run it back, run it back, run it back, run it back. Aaron Donald talking about how a super team, you got to, you know, you can't build it, then lose it. I would guess Sean McVay and Aaron Donald tell like two guys that are running it back next season. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, I'd say that connection is only going to get stronger. And I do think with some of the free, agents, the free agents that the Rams have, if they lose them, I do think it's a good thing if you bring in some fresh blood to kind of bring that desire, bring some hunger back to this team. Prevent complacency from setting in. So the Rams, to me, have as good a shot as anyone to winning uh, back-to-back Super Bowls for the first time in almost two decades. It's real. It's legit. This Rams team, I would say, has the best chance of repeating of any Super Bowl champion since 2005. Patriots, if you are one that celebrates the uh, being the last team to go back-to-back, you should be nervous. Rams have it there. Rams have a real path, a real shot here to win back-to-back Super Bowls. So that'll do it for this edition of the Thursday edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. Appreciate all of you who tuned in. Appreciate all of you who made us a part of your Thursday morning. We will be back on Monday. NBA All-Star Weekend is this weekend. So enjoy that. We'll watch a little bit. NBA, you know, I'm not exactly, I can't pretend here and tell you I'm, I'm excited about the NBA All-Star Weekend. I kind of get bored by the dunk contest and kind of get bored by the skills competition. The All-Star game is what it is. It's not great. So anyway, no football for the first time since September. Enjoy your weekend. We will be back on Monday. Where else but the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.